0: The Mahoning Valley Daily Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Mahoning Valley Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Cabuno. Thank you very much for tuning in. It is October 13th, and there is a ton of stuff to talk about. In case you missed it, which it's really tough to see how you could have, there is a big new mural on the side of the Southern Park Mall. I am going to reserve judgment on this podcast, which I rarely do, but let's just say it's there. There's a little story simmering in the city of Canfield involving the city manager, and I'm hoping to get some people on the show who could talk to that in greater extent, and we hope to have that for you in the upcoming days. But today I wanted to start the show with a correction, because it turns out I was wrong. Um, I mean, obviously not the first time, but I got called out because listener James Hay let me know that the Foreigner concert that I said was going on Tuesday night got canceled way long time ago. So my apologies for that. As always, and for all your uh, community calendar stuff, check out Mahoning Matters and check out WKBN. Where to start today? Where to start today? Let's do some real quick political stuff and get it right out of the way. Just wanted to say that it seems as though Rob Portman's wife has come out in endorsing Jane Timken for the Ohio Senate race to replace her husband. And that is over the other challengers to his seat from the Republican side, J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel, both of whom who have been trying to out-crazy each other, out-Trumpify each other for months now. So it looks as though, even though um, Timken is definitely a Trump acolyte, she isn't one in the violent, we-have-to-take-up-arms-against-our-fellow-citizens Vain, so uh, that is kind of a win for centrism in the age of Trumpism uh, because the Republicans will be seen to be favored, whoever they have, out of that primary. But there's still a lot of time left, and Mandel and Vance both love running around and shaking their fists and making as much noise as possible, so they still could come out on top. We will see. Did you guys see Jeopardy at all? And I mean it all by as in any time in the past 40 episodes because there is an Ohio State grad who is also a Yale PhD candidate who has won the last 39 episodes. And to put that into perspective, that is about half of the ultimate record set by Ken Jennings at like 74, but over the more recent longtime champ, James Holzhauer, who had, well, less. And what's very interesting is that a lot of people are thinking he might have blown the last game on purpose so that he could get back to school. I cannot believe that considering he was in the midst of a run that netted him over $1.5 million in earnings. But I think it's absolutely amazing to think that he has had his fun and he was just kind of done with it and needed to get back to school because more important things were at hand in his life. More important things than being the... Jeopardy champion. Pretty cool. That's how you know you got a lot of stuff going for you. I don't know if we're going to find out any more about whether or not he threw the match, but he really did lose on quite an easy question, and his betting was a little questionable in terms of whether or not he was trying to get back into the match in Final Jeopardy, so keep an eye out for that. Very interesting story from apparently a very interesting guy from Medina, Ohio. Couple of recommendations I have for you guys. Please check out the Ohio versus the World podcast. I'm not sure if I had mentioned this before on our podcast, but these guys do a fantastic job. And the end episode of their season, they uh, they finished up with a doozy. It is about 10 cent beer night. Cleveland Indians baseball game which ended in a riot in 1974. If you are a listener out there who happens to have remembered this debacle, then you will know it's one of the lowest point in the city's history, right up there with the burning of the Cuyahoga River. And these guys go into it with a lot of people who were there at the time Mike Hargrove has a very long interview in the uh, in the podcast, so you're going to love listening to that. It was absolutely amazing. So a little bit of backstory on this event, because it was supposed to be just a promotional night, but it ended up being a promotional night gone wrong with everything colliding to make it the worst possible scenario. It was Indians versus Rangers. And the previous game against the Rangers was just a week before. There was a brawl during that game. And as the Indians are leaving the field, the Rangers fans are throwing beers on them as they're going into the tunnel. So the next thing you know, the local media here in Cleveland are hyping this game up. And not only that, it coincides with the 10-cent beer promotional night. So apparently... When one of the reporters got to the stadium that night, there was a haze of weed smoke already out on the field because the people who were attending this game were not exactly season ticket holders. As a matter of fact, there hardly were any season ticket holders, mainly because attendance at Municipal's Cavernous Stadium back then was about 6,000 on average that season. This game, however, they ended up getting like 25,000 people in there. And uh, as the one reporter who was covering it said, as he was on the municipal train getting closer and closer to the stadium, the, the, the trains were absolutely packed. And he said it seemed as though a lot of the people were just leaving a dime a beer promotion night, not going to one. That's how hammered they were. Another key you know, indicator as to how this thing unfolded. The streaking started in the first inning. Now, if you're a younger listener, you might not understand that streaking was like kind of all the rage. It was like TikTok dancing in the 70s. Everybody was doing it. Any, you know, sporting event that had some bright lights or just a bunch of booze, you could find some streakers there. So this was early and often. It was just this slow escalation of debauchery throughout the entire game that culminated in the riot um, people were drunk fans during the game were coming out trying to steal the hat and glove of an outfielder throwing beer on the on the opposing team and then when they tried to defend themselves it was it did not go well and uh, apparently there were only 50 security guards there that day and a bunch of like 70 year old ushers so you can imagine how this thing ended up raging out of control to the point where I think National Guard troops had to be called. Anyways, it is a fantastic story, and I suggest you go check it out. It's Ohio versus the world. My other recommendation for today is a podcast from the New York Times Daily Podcast came out um, sometime this week. You'll just go have to look it up and see um, the title of it. It's basically about whether or not childcare is a public responsibility. And this is a topic that I love. I'm very adamant about the fact that the people who take care of our children and the people who take care of our elderly citizens are so vital to uh, having a fruitful society and one that respects everyone no matter their age or socioeconomic condition. So just looking at um, what's all in this $3.5 trillion bill, which is now probably down to $2 trillion. But anyways, all this human infrastructure that they're talking about, I am all for having separate bills that tackle each one of these issues, as you may know. But that's not how they do it in Washington. So just trying to be able to explain one piece of it helps in understanding where all this money would be going to. Essentially, they would try to cap the responsibility of childcare from one household income at 7%. That means a lot of these people who are paying 25% of their overall income just to be able to have childcare, they would be subsidized that other 14%. And not only that, they would be able to do that because these places, these daycare centers, these childcare centers will be able to pay their workers more because they will be subsidized by the federal government, which I think is absolutely necessary. You wanna look at all the people who were talking about how these federal incentives to stay home is the reason that no one was going back to work. Well, all of those bonuses ended and we saw dismal jobs numbers telling you that that was not the case. The reason is is because they don't even want to go back to the jobs because they lack any meaning or if in terms of these jobs where you're taking care of you know wonderful people on a daily basis, they're just not getting paid enough. So if you pay them enough, they're going to go back there and they're going to work really hard for you. So there's that. Go figure. Check out the uh, New York Times. They do a great job. Another story I saw that was really hard to believe when I first read it, but then, you know, after a second it sunk in and it made a lot of sense, is that apparently California is set to ban uh, gas leaf blowers and gas trimmers by 2024. That's essentially tomorrow. If you know anything about the electrified world of lawn care, it just doesn't pack the same punch. And I am someone who is totally for having environmental regulatory standards on the emissions we're putting out no matter what kind of you know engine is doing it whether it's a small engine or whether it's a car engine but apparently small engines are way more pollutant for example Using a gas-powered leaf blower for one hour reportedly causes the same amount of pollution to be admitted to the air as does a 2017 Toyota Camry driving from Los Angeles to Denver, which spans roughly 1,100 miles. So one hour of usage of a leaf blower equals the amount (laughs) of pollution of driving 1,100 miles. This is insane. This is obviously something that needs to be tackled, but it's hard to believe because they are so ubiquitous. Everybody has them. They said that there are probably over 16 million small engines in California, which is going to be a really tough, you know, to get your hands around. Now, they're not going to take take yours away, but they're just not going to sell any new ones. So there's going to be a lot of uh, headway that's going to have to be made in the electric lawn care department. Uh, I have an electric leaf blower. It works really well. I have an electric trimmer. It works pretty well. I don't know if I'm ready to go out and buy an electric lawnmower just yet because uh, I don't think they have the torque. You know, that's what you always hear. But if they do, they're going to cost an arm and a leg. So there's that too. But California getting it done by 2024. And finally, we will leave you with the news that I think a lot of people have already heard about, which is the exit slash departure slash firing slash quitting of Raiders coach John Gruden. And this is a story with tons of layers to it because you, know, you have his firing and what he said on one side of this coin, and then you have the leaking and the email trove that the documents that led to his firing came from on the other. This is going to be a story that goes on forever because it might include, you know, eventually being the reason why uh, Dan Snyder has to give up ownership of the Washington football team. So this is going to be multifaceted. Essentially, what you had was John Gruden uh, gets leaked saying something about um, somebody, uh, you know, a colleague in the NFL who was black. And um, there was a bunch of hand-wringing over the weekend Not quite enough, apparently, for whoever leaked it because then they decided to leak a bunch of other stuff that he said to the effect that it was no longer tenable for him to stay on as coach and they had to fire him. So these people were picking and choosing not only who they went after because it was essentially a targeted attack on Gruden, but also wanted to make sure that the end result was him leaving his job and when one little nugget didn't do it, then a couple more stones fell down the hill. So... These emails that they leaked were out of a total of 650,000 that they scooped up while they were um, checking out the former Redskins uh, because of all the misdeeds that was going on with their ownership. So I have a feeling they will be next in Firing Squad, and if not, they will be there eventually, but it could be a million other people with how many emails they seized and how many people are probably talking... um, that locker room, horrible old school talk in them. Yet to be seen, huge story. And um, I got my popcorn. I know there's a lot of people that have got to be very, very nervous. With that, I wish you guys all a great rest of your day. Thank you very much for tuning in and we will talk to you guys soon.